Welcome to Servants of the Secret Fire, Episode 9, Rabbit Trails, brought to you by Creators Design Media, and voice acted by Alyssa Sanford, written and produced by Daniel Sanford. For more information on Servants of the Secret Fire, You can look us up on Facebook at Servants of the Secret Fire Podcast, Twitter at The Secret Fire Audio, and Instagram hashtag Servants of the Secret Fire. Servants of the Secret Fire, Episode 9. September 5th, 2012, 10.15 p.m., Hickory Grove, Wisconsin. Naomi Matthews gently pressed the end call button on her Android-powered cell phone and cradled the mini supercomputer under her chin for several long moments. Jed had sounded both weary and anxious, a combination that she was becoming more and more accustomed to of late. This had been Jed's third courtesy call, updating her on the stranger's condition since he had arrived at the emergency room earlier that evening. Courtesy call. Naomi bit her lip to stifle the emotions that threatened to rise up within her. Keep it together, girl. These feelings were hardly new. During many of these long nights where she was condemned to play the role of ministry widow, Naomi would think back upon a time when the days didn't seem to have enough hours in them for all that she and Jed had to say to each other. Then, she had been the center of Jed's universe, and he gladly would have put the entire planet on hold just to share one more moment of heart-to-heart conversation with her. But now... Naomi chided herself for giving in to that now-familiar mental rabbit trail and went into the restroom to finish getting ready for bed. Brushing out her long, chestnut tresses, she looked at the woman, staring back at her in the mirror. Am I still beautiful? Do I still attract? Naomi, stop it. Another rabbit trail. Besides, Naomi finally surmised that it was an unfair question to pose to oneself when the image in the mirror stared back at you with the goofy glasses only worn in the secrecy of home when the eyes were screaming to have the contacts peeled away from them. Naomi returned to her bed and removed the half-eaten bag of popcorn. Pride and Prejudice has gotten many a lonely wife through long, cold evenings. I wonder if Jane Austen had written a sequel, would Mr. Darcy have eventually turned back into the self-absorbed grouch he appeared to be at the beginning of the story? Naomi's mind meandered. When did our turning point begin? There wasn't a defining moment. But at least for the past few years, she had felt like just one more obligation that Jed's conscience required him to attend to. Take this evening, for example. It wasn't that she didn't appreciate being kept in the loop on nights like tonight. It's just that she always felt like an interruption to her husband when he did call, or even worse, text, as if his checking in with her was more duty than delight. It was always this way of late. The emotional detachment, the preoccupied voice, the oblivious nods and grunts when addressed. 
Naomi felt that she had been romanced by Captain James T. Kirk seven years ago, only to end up married to Lieutenant Spock. Lowering the phone to her side, she took a calming breath, adopted her best pastor's wife demeanor, and pushed the thoughts of resentment and loneliness back into the inner closet of her mind. At least, she told herself, Jed had a reasonably good excuse for being distracted tonight. This last call had come from just outside that man called Sage's room. As Jed had predicted at the time of his first call that evening, Sage had no identification and therefore no discernible next of kin to notify of his condition. Naomi had tried to assure Jed that it was all right to leave the matter in the doctor's hands until morning, but from the resigned tone in his voice, she could immediately tell that he was conscious-bound and would dutifully take up the role of both father and son to this total stranger until the doctors gave the all clear. This had meant another four hours in the ER until Sage could be moved to the intensive care unit, and Jed was able to, politely, take his leave. A person can eat a lot of chocolate in four hours. Earlier in the evening, amidst corralling her two children, Naomi had put the ministry machinery in motion on Sage's behalf by activating the church's prayer chain via email and detailing what little information that was known at the time. During his second check-in, Jed had relayed to her the doctor's diagnosis. Sage's heart had apparently been failing him for quite some time. Congestive heart failure had all but submerged the heart in a sack of syrupy fluid, while multiple blockages within Sage's arteries had reduced it to a mere 30% of its capacity. In layman's terms, Sage was dying, and had been for months. Naomi finally heard the house's garage door groan and creak like an ancient portcullis around 11 p.m., followed by the muffled thuds of Jed entering their modest home in Hickory Grove. As Jed followed his puzzling yet invariable routine of hanging up his coat and arranging his shoes by the front door, Naomi steeled herself. She sighed and took a long look around the bedroom that had been her prayer sanctuary and emotional happy place for the past three years, preparing herself to either emotionally buoy what she was certain would be her husband's melancholy mood, or lay into him with the feelings she had pent up within her all day. Buck up, Mama Bird, at least you still have your nest. Modest, she had called the house when they first considered buying it. Cozy is how she viewed it now. Naomi loved living in the older section of town, even though the size of their home paled in comparison to the opulence of the new housing developments being constructed at breakneck pace in Hickory Grove to accommodate the town's rapid influx of new employees. Naomi awoke from her momentary musing as Jed walked into the bedroom, bleary-eyed and rumpled. Are the kids down? Jed asked softly. Naomi gave a look of attempted sympathy and nodded. She knew that he was not surprised, but no less disappointed, to discover that their two children, Amanda, age five, and Jedediah Joel Jr., or Triple J, as he liked to be called, age three, had already been in bed for three hours. Naomi signed off of Facebook and shut down the computer for the night as Jed peeked into each of his children's rooms in order to take in their cherubic faces, glowing softly in the radiance of their nightlights. He's a wonderful father. Now if we could just work on the husband part. Naomi chastised herself inwardly for even thinking the thought and silently repented as Jed entered the bedroom. You're wearing your Garfield pajamas tonight, Jed said quietly as he began unbuttoning his shirt. 
Am I? You don't think that I've figured out what the Garfield pajamas mean after seven years of marriage? Said Jed. Biting back the sarcastic reply that immediately formed itself in her mind, Naomi pondered what strategy she should take with Jed this night. She could play the confrontational nag, the petulant victim, the frigid mistress. A thousand hurts, accusations, and pleadings rose to her mind as she silently cried out in prayer, Lord, how can he not know what I feel inside? Am I supposed to just paint on a happy face? His moods may be able to turn on a dime, but not mine. With an effort of will, Naomi decided to forego the confrontation she had been practicing for all evening, and instead chose to play the dumb dame and go along with Jed's weak attempt at conversation. And what would be the existential meaning of a woman greeting her husband wearing Garfield pajamas? It usually means that the aforementioned woman has had a headache all evening, and fully expects said headache to linger throughout the night, said Jed, a weak smile forming on his lips. Touché, darling, touché, replied Naomi, turning down the bed, but making no move to rectify the pajama politics. Please not tonight, Lord. Changing the subject as Jed continued to change into his flannel PJs, hint taken, thought Naomi, she asked, any new news about our mystery guest? Sitting on the edge of the bed and rubbing his temples, Jed switched back into business mode. Not much. His heart has been failing for a while. The doctors really don't expect him to last out the week. That's horrible, she answered softly. Do we know any more about him? No. It's impossible to figure out who he is or where he came from, Jed said with a yawn. His communication is so vague and scattered that we can't get anything useful out of him. Hopefully, we can find out more tomorrow. Naomi waited patiently while Jed yawned for a second time and climbed into bed. Okay, babe, then let's leave tomorrow for tomorrow, she said with what she hoped was at least a sincere attempt at sympathy as she climbed into the other side of the bed and turned off the small lamp on the nightstand. Is now a good time to speak my heart for it? Not waiting for an answer, Naomi spoke into the darkness. Hun, the planet has had you for over 14 hours today. Can I request at least a few minutes of adult conversation? I'm here for you, babe, yawned Jed. What's left of me is all yours. Jed was snoring softly before Naomi could think of how to begin. Thank you for listening to Servants of the Secret Fire, Episode 9, Rabbit Trails. To find more episodes of Servants of the Secret Fire, you can download them on iTunes, Servants of the Secret Fire podcast, on SoundCloud, at Daniel Sanford, and on Stitcher, Servants of the Secret Fire. For more information on Servants of the Secret Fire, you can find us on Facebook at Servants of the Secret Fire Podcast, Twitter at The Secret Fire Audio, or Instagram, hashtag Servants of the Secret Fire. Music for this episode was provided by bensound.com and purple-planet.com. Please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Tell us what you think of Servants of the Secret Fire.
and get the word out this podcast is there. Thank you for listening to Servants of the Secret Fire from Creators Design Media.